Dear DM community, the players in my game refused to engage with my plot and the setting of my world. I put in so much work and everyone said they were so excited to play, but they just murder every NPC, take their stuff, and don't really care about anything else. How do I get my players to really take part in my campaign rather than be a bunch of murder hobos? Respectfully, a desperate DM. I see that or something similar all across social media, such as, the players can't figure anything out and I've been so clear. I don't think anyone likes my game. How do I do better voices? How do I challenge my players? They seem to walk through every encounter. Full disclosure, the best initial advice for all of this is often talk to your players, ask questions, listen. Because these issues might have nothing to do with your game, and no matter what, you need more information in every case to determine the solution. Except the whole bit about not being challenging for the players, just put in harder stuff. But let's say you do that, and it really does come down to your story. How do you deal with it? It's time to snap on the rubber gloves and play Story Doctor. This is Anatomy of a Campaign. The essence of story doctoring necessitates an understanding of story anatomy. I want to talk through five key story elements that we should consider. I'm pulling a lot of this from writing courses and story craft, but will ground everything within RPG story structure and design to the best of my ability. Element 1. Goals. I talk about this quite a bit. Party goals, campaign goals, individual PC goals, and I'd also consider campaign theme in here as well. It's not rocket science. What's the party trying to achieve, right now, in the game? Aside from that, what are the goals of the individual PCs? Do you know for sure that these are their goals? Have you asked them? Goals are table stakes. Characters need to want something, and for a game like D&D to work, there needs to be agreement on the party goal or goals. In writing classes, a common thing I and others seem to get wrong is nailing down character goals in a way that is actionable and clear. I think there is this strange perception that main character's existence is enough. I think when consuming a story, like a film or a novel, so much is happening in tandem with the character's wanting of something that it gets glossed over. The adventure finds Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, but ahead of that, he wanted to get off Tatooine, to see the larger universe. Not a little, not kind of, it was a burning desire. That desire and enthusiasm defines the character for the rest of the movie, in how he approaches Mos Eisley, the Death Star, the Princess, Obi-Wan and his death. What makes a good goal? Something specific and achievable, preferably with a next step lined up. So getting gold is a terrible goal. Earning 2,000 gold pieces to buy into the Thieves' Guild is much better. To recover the lost idol of the Cat God from the Haunted Temple so you can earn enough to buy into the Thieves' Guild is even better yet. Sidebar, do not let perfect be the enemy of good. A clear goal that the player is keen to pursue is really all you need. Let me restate something there. That the player is keen to pursue. You can replace that phrase with that the writer is keen to pursue. Because my sense is that players equate themselves more with actors personifying a role or living vicariously through a role. But the truth is they are crafting the role the way a writer does, in collaboration with the DM and the other players. Regardless, the players must grab hold of their character and team goals and own them. And you as the DM need to know what they are. Element 2. Conflict. What layers of conflict exist for the characters? Simple is better. I always make things too complicated. My brain thrives on nuance and shades of gray. But that is death for an RPG, and not great for other story forms either. 
There's a lot of time between game sessions, and at least in my world, people have the demands of life to deal with. It's just more effective to have something closer to a black and white conflict at the core. Darth Vader and the Empire equals bad. Rebels and Princess Leia equals good. Yes, there can be nuance around that, but give the PCs a touchstone they can default back to in a pinch. What is the central conflict? In my game, it's about gods old and new seeking influence in the world. There are good gods, the Morrigan, the Lord of Light, and there are bad gods, Semyana the Fallen Angel, Visuki the Serpent God, who are the direct antagonists. Most recently in my game, it was Ogora Maya, a hag turned Naga who served Visuki. Is there someone who personifies the bad guys in your game? Again, simple as best. What other conflicts and antagonists exist for the player? In my game, Voss has a past with a cult, and there is a scary assassin named Luskin who might be looking for her. Luskin is also a stand-in for that entire cult. How does conflict play out in your game? Is it always head-to-head, or does it sometimes have a different adjacency? For example, does the antagonist also want the lost cat idol? So not a direct life-or-death conflict necessarily. They don't have to want to kill each other, but something more of a rivalry. Are there social conflicts? How does this line up with your player's style? The importance of conflict cannot be overstated. Drama is conflict. It intersects, usually badly, with character goals. Luke wants adventure away from Tatooine. The only way off planet puts him at direct odds with the galaxy's most deadly heavy breather. You want the cat idol to pay your way into the Thieves' Guild? Well, the temple is guarded by a holy order who also wants to destroy the Thieves' Guild. In my campaign, there are servants of the good gods, servants of the bad gods, and a whole bunch of people who think it's heresy to worship anything but the missing god anew. Conflict is as big as that, and it's as small as the pit trap in the hallway. It's the driving force behind the story, the thing that introduces uncertainty around the dramatic question. For example, a dramatic question could be, will the party recover the cat idol? Maybe not, because the temple entrance is guarded by these holy knights, and the interior is thick with undead jungle cats. I'm going to write that down. That's a good idea, undead jungle cats. Make sure you know what the central dramatic conflict is for the party, and that you can pose it in a form of a question. There must be uncertainty around this. The next element is setups and payoffs. I think Chekhov talked about how, if you show a gun in the first act, you must have that gun go off before the end of the play. Never underestimate the power of building tensions. A lot of D&D is designed to almost avoid this entirely. Enter the dungeon, and room by room, you encounter different monsters, until finally, at the end, it's a dragon. Oh no, fight and kill it, take its treasure. That's fine, but it would be better if the party watches the dragon raise a town and carry off villagers for food in the first session. When they fight the dragon two or three sessions later, it will have more meaning, because they have been anticipating this battle. Yes, that's right. I suggested you feed villagers to a dragon so the characters could have more meaning in their adventures. I'm totally good with that. Conversely, if you show the dragon raising a town and then they never find the dragon, that's anticlimactic. You'd set up an expectation that you've failed to pay off. So what do you have currently set up in your game? For that last big moment, what portents had you provided ahead of time to ramp up tension? What is the thing giving your characters pause? Cliffhangers are great for this. Treasure maps are great for this. Here there be dragons. Payoffs can subvert expectations as well. Maybe the dragon that raised that town had a good cause for doing so. What if the local baron stole her clutch of eggs for a fell ritual? A good trick is to listen to your players for setups that you can pay off. 
If they decide, while talking amongst themselves, that someone is a shady character and decide to follow them, maybe you had not intended for that character to be anything special, but consider paying off this expectation in a more useful way. It will make the players feel smart, and the world feel much more dynamic. The next element is something called Scene Sequel. In this context, sequel is not as we usually use it. It's not Rambo Part 12. This codifies moments where action is happening and calls them scenes, but also identifies moments where the characters are deciding what happened in the last scene, having an emotional reaction, and then determining what to do next. These introspective or thoughtful moments are called sequels. This paradigm is all about stimulus and response. Something happens, and then the party reacts. In the first Avengers movie, Loki's escape and Phil Coulson's death are part of a scene. There's action, conflict, dramatic questions being answered. Later, when Nick Fury presents the Avengers with Coulson's bloody superhero cards, that's a sequel. The team is reacting to what happened. This is where they become united as a team. Which one is more important? They're both necessary. The interesting thing about scene sequel is that the balance between these two is what determines pacing and tone for a story. In action-adventure, scenes are long, elaborate, and plentiful. Sequels are limited and tend to be shorter. In romances, sequels are where it's at. The scene where the romantic leads meet for the first time is likely followed by long and elaborate sequels reacting to that meeting. In RPGs, sequels are the downtime. This is where the characters have cleared out the room and need to heal, take a rest, or choose the next door. Scenes are where the conflict occurs, the battle, the fight, where they fight the dragon, or where the druid attempts to convince the dragon to talk with her rather than burn them all to a crisp. Do you have enough downtime? Are there moments where the party can breathe and regroup, or is it relentless? My game recently became more than a little relentless. I missed it, but others pointed it out to me, thankfully. Are the sequel moments in your game working? Is the party interacting, making decisions, or arguing? Is the arguing entertaining banter, or are the players actually unable to decide what to do next? When players say they like a lot of social interaction, chances are they will crave a higher portion of sequels versus action-focused scenes. The reality is that sequels rely heavily on the players over the DM. With a well-placed, friendly NPC, the DM can perhaps prompt some of this, but the best source will be players having their characters interact with other PCs. I don't worry a lot about scenes. I feel like these come naturally to DMs. The area of diagnosis is usually more about sequels. Do you have enough and are they serving their purpose to recharge and refocus the PCs on their current quest or mission? Lastly, I want to mention verisimilitude. The semblance of truth or reality, meaning the world and its interactions feel real or allow for easy suspension of disbelief. When players are making their characters do something and they say, my character wouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it just to go with the flow. You've broken verisimilitude. When they metagame, I'm holding back my big spell because this is just the first level and the big bad won't be here. Verisimilitude is not working. When they can accurately predict an NPC's reaction to something. When they make decisions based on the cultural norms of the world. When they can talk about the people, places, and things as if they really exist. Then verisimilitude is high. This is very hard to achieve. It is enhanced through realistic descriptions, world events persisting beyond the character's actions, NPCs who feel as if they are more than two-dimensional cutouts who serve just a stereotype or are there purely for an immediate plot need. 
The upside of achieving verisimilitude is massive. It's immersion. While hard to achieve in any medium, I think it's actually hardest in tabletop role-playing games. It won't come like it does in a book where the reader's mind transports them to another time and place, or in a film where you have a massive screen surrounding you with music and special effects and everything, or even in a video game where you're being fed every image that you're reacting to. Rather, for tabletop RPGs, the role of verisimilitude is to help with suspension of disbelief and provide a kind of certainty among the players that what is happening in the world is appropriately responsive to their actions. It's the details that facilitate buy-in to this form of virtual reality. I'm hoping that considering these elements on their own, aside from diagnosing any problems, has spurred some ideas for you to recap them. Goals, conflict, setups and payoffs, scene-sequel balance, and verisimilitude. If you're like me, when you hear about these things, you apply them to your story and judge yourself. I don't have good scene-sequel balance. Please don't judge yourself. Be kind to yourself. You're awesome. But do take a look, as honestly as you can, and just see if there's anything you'd like to amend. This is all just more tools in the toolbox. If you lurk about social media or gaming forums, undoubtedly you've seen the DM911s that sometimes come through. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, the first thing that holds true in pretty much all of these instances is that people need to be talking effectively with people. Please hear this. You cannot game your way out of a behavioral issue. And since I'm touching on the topic, in all cases, addressing things via punishment in-game is weakness made manifest. Let the game be the game and do not mistake it for the real human relationships you have with the people at your table, virtual or otherwise. Determining how to address things must start with an understanding of which type of problem you have, and my belief is that if you sit and think about it honestly, the answer to the question will become obvious. Now, what I am talking about here presupposes that this is a true problem with your story. Let's look at three symptoms I've experienced or have seen through social media. If you find it useful, I've posted a link to a graph of these story elements plotted against the sample story problems, both in the liner notes to the podcast as well as on the subreddit. Symptom one, will not engage. This is where the PCs ignore the main plot and go do something else. Or they don't seem to pick up on the plot hooks that would lead them to your adventure. Or one or more PCs vocalizes that this is not something their character would do. And I promise I will not mention this again, but the premise here is that we have eliminated issues such as players creating a problematic character. My character's a loner, I don't do anything. The premise is that we've determined somehow that this is more of a story challenge, something the DM can really work on. So engage is a fuzzy term and can have multiple root causes. Goal sits at the top of the list. Is the presumed goal of the adventure misaligned with the player's goals? Don't be shocked when dungeon delvers whose goal is only to plunder ancient crypts for magic items balk at helping the local smith's daughter who's been kidnapped by goblins. That's a bit simple, though, and I would hope everyone could see that. Listen carefully to what the PC and players say when they decline to engage in your story. They'll let you know in one way or another where the heart of the misalignment is happening. In my experience, players will stretch themselves to align with an adventure. So if they're outright declining, there's likely a very important distinction that you need to understand. And don't be afraid to just ask. 
player to player, person to person. Pause the game and just inquire. I want to make sure I'm understanding your character decision here. Why won't you help the blacksmith? I thought you might have. Establish that you're not trying to subvert their decisions or take over for some reason. You simply want to understand. That's valid, and I actually think most players would appreciate it. Is there a larger conflict that they don't want to get involved with? In my game, I had a couple of initial adventure threads the players avoided because they just didn't want to overly align themselves with one group or another. Specifically, I introduced a quest giver from the Thieves Guild and a big bad pirate captain. Mig's Ten Fingers was a solid source of paying adventures, but they never went back to him, I think because they were wary of becoming beholden to him. Pirate Captain Nupo was out there and had tried to kill them, but they never went after her because their goals directed them elsewhere. I think also they were making decisions that they didn't think they could handle. Pirate Captain Nupo. In both cases, it was fine, because this is more of a sandbox, and there were other things they could and did pursue. If I had a big adventure path I was working with versus a sandbox, I would be focused on the hooks, aligning with their goals, and not positioning it so that they felt they were being involved in a conflict that would either shackle them or be way over their heads. Symptom two, lagging interest. Everyone was excited, and now they're not. This might be the biggest challenge every game faces. The newness of a campaign is alluring. When the honeymoon is over, the reality of the game can set in, and things are simply not as compelling. Whether you've been playing for over a year or just a month, this seems to be the scourge of tabletop RPGs. My campaign currently is over a year old now and showing signs of this. Not too bad, but a little. I do have some non-story issues, but for sure, story issues are coming into play. We played through a main arc that got the party to 5th level, and as I introduce new big conflicts, my sense is partially that my campaign plot is overshadowing the players. PC goals have fallen to the side and are being replaced by circumstantial challenges. I'm going to take one character, the sorcerer warlock Voss. She had been on a journey of personal growth. She used to be a member of the Faithful of Semyana, a cult following a fallen angel. Her journey was to escape that life and rediscover her true self. This was juxtaposed with her shadow powers, presumably a gift from the fallen angel Semyana. If you followed the podcast all the way through, God bless you if you have, you may recall that she killed herself rather than re-embrace Semyana's power. It was a defining moment in the campaign. Her spirit journey was with the goddess, the Morrigan. She learned her sorcerer powers came not from Semyana, but from draconic forces in the world, and that her very existence signaled the dragon's return. The party fought terrible foes to resurrect Voss, and when she returned, she came back as a multi-class sorcerer warlock. Her warlock patron is an entity known as the Void Dragon. It's good stuff, but now what? Well, now the party is searching for ancient temples to reactivate and or plunder. What's Voss's role in this? How does she connect? Is this what she would be doing? Taylor is a generous player, so she's not uninterested, but neither is it clear to her how she can align with all these developments. So yes, I should look at goals, but also the scene-sequel balance. Voss needs some sequel moments to help work things out, either with other PCs or possibly some NPCs. She's gone through something miraculous and terrifying. How has that been recognized within the story? The answer, I'm sad to say, not a lot. I think we need to recalibrate a bit so that what the party is doing and Voss's goals are both defined and aligned. 
from a broader perspective, when dealing with party-wide and maybe DM lagging interest, I would primarily look at conflict and goal. Is the conflict clear? Is it overwhelming or too vague? Meaning, are you bashing them over the head with the big war that's brewing, and they keep getting swept up in events beyond their control? Or is that quest for the spheres of dragon control devoid of all pressure? Or maybe there's just no central conflict? Consider introducing a new and powerful goal, something compelling to the players. A mousy lawyer from their uncle's estate finds them and tells them they have inherited the wizard's gambit, a two-masted sailing ship. Further, they discover the ship is in need of repairs, and your uncle's enemies want the ship for themselves because they believe a treasure map is hidden somewhere aboard. Goals and conflicts work hand-in-hand. Give them something worth fighting for but change the game a bit. If they've been in dungeon delves, send them on pirate adventures. If they're high enough level, maybe the ship can move between planes. If they've been slogging through the wilds, shift to a city-based storyline. Chances are, if interest is lagging, they, and maybe you, have lost sight of the possibilities. And possibilities in this game are quite literally endless. You have to reconnect with that and make sure everyone believes it. Symptom 3. Murder hoboing. This one is least likely to be a problem with your story, but there can be things within the story that help avoid or blunt this most D&D of problems. But maybe you don't know what this is. In brief, murder hoboing is when the PCs just move from place to place, killing things and taking their stuff. They have no roots, and they make no effort to be a part of the world. They just do whatever they want. Someone gives them grief, they kill them. The guards come to question them, kill them too. The dragon wants to talk? More time to fireball it, the fool. I said I wasn't going to bring this up again, but I'm a storyteller and therefore a liar, so again, this is when the problem lies in some part at the feet of the DM's story. Top of the list is verisimilitude. Are there families and children in your world? Are there good as well as bad people? Do the PCs have relatives and friends? Do the PCs have needs outside of gold to just buy weapons and armor? In the real world, weapons are not very useful. How much of your monthly budget goes to weaponry? But we're not adventurers. Sure, but shelter, food, and entertainment are vital to people. Vital. The quiz is if you're stranded on a desert island, you can have one book. Which book would it be? No one asks you're stranded on a desert island, you can have one weapon, what would it be? The answer is obviously a machine gun. Sequels should take place in civilization, usually. Where can they carouse? What NPCs can become friends? Make them valuable. Yes, while drunk you are arrested, but Gregor the innkeeper vouch for you so you're free to go. If the world feels multidimensional, it invites the players to interact with it in a meaningful way. But remember to make that dimensionality positive. If your idea of real is that the elite guard of 10th level paladins comes to incarcerate the party for using lethal force in a tavern brawl, That actually encourages murder hoboism. Having a couple of town guards who are fanboys of the party, loving to hear about their exploits and helping them out every once in a while, will encourage the players to invest in the second world. Setups and payoffs are important to reduce murder hoboism. The essence of story structure is for things to have meaning. It is the antithesis of murder hoboing. The dragon head over their favorite bar has a story that will be important. The man hanging from the tree outside of town will turn out to be a clue. That guard they flipped off will be critical to achieving their goals. The slightly magical flower the farm girl gave your young hero will provide resistance to necrotic damage. 
More importantly, the actions the heroes take will help them in the future, not just hurt them. The carrot is far more effective than the stick. And lastly, goals and conflicts. Though these tend to be a little more in the hands of the players, you can't force a goal on them. I know you've burned every town you enter to the ground, but now the hook is to save the princess. That's just not going to work. You need to work with the players to craft goals and conflicts that ground them in the world, that gives them something to care about. I see this all the time, and I do it too. Players make characters with nothing to lose. No family, no property, no affiliation with something greater than themselves. In fact, I would say 99% of characters don't have a deep connection to the world in a way that puts something at stake. Help them find something. This should be part of session zero if you run it, but you can correct it later. And this does not have to be heavy or dark. In fact, I would submit that elements that make a character feel good are far more effective. Comedic NPCs or useful locations will do more to blunt wandering hoboism than a leaden obligation designed to take things a lot more seriously. I definitely bit off more than I could chew at this topic, but what the hell, it's good to stretch. I certainly would not consider this an exhaustive discussion of such a complicated topic, but hopefully the story elements I discussed can provide fodder for assessing the stories in your campaign. Going through the examples, I realized how much of the problems and challenges are really about expectations, and that's all solved via open communication. The mystique of the DM can suggest that you are omniscient and omnipotent, but we all know that's patently ridiculous. Talk things out, be transparent, and proceed with a mind that is open to everything and yet attached to nothing. My campaign needs a tune-up, and I'm planning to run a redo of Session Zero. That's very likely to be the next podcast. This has been Anatomy of a Campaign. I'm on Twitter at AnatomyCamp, and check out the subreddit, r slash anatomyofacampaign. As ever, thank you for listening. <laughs>